This week on Making Contact. This is a dangerous law. On the face of it, it sounds really reasonable. Why, when a young girl is undergoing a surgical procedure that's very invasive, why shouldn't you know? For the third time, parental notification is on the ballot in California this November. It's Proposition 4, and it requires parents to be notified if a minor is seeking an abortion. Other states have already passed similar laws. So do these laws affect how young women access reproductive health care? Does this law really protect our youth? On this edition, we hear from a group of young women organizing against Prop 4 in California. We also hear from a Prop 4 proponent. And we go to the state of Texas, where both parental notification and consent laws have already been passed. I'm Tina Rubio, and this is Making Contact, a program connecting people, bottle ideas, and important information. Start, start, start. French and Spanish. My name is May. 16. From <laughs> CPAA. I am Mian, and I like bubble milk tea. And I would be a panda, because all they do is sit there and eat. <laughs> and I would stop war. And I have four brothers and one sister. Woo-hoo! My name is Heidi. I'm a 17-year-old high school senior. I'm part of SAFIRE, which stands for Sisters in Actions for Issues of Reproductive Empowerment. It's a high school youth organizing program that trains young Asian women like me to become leaders and organizers for reproductive justice. My name is Heidi. I'm 17. I go to Oakland High, class of 09. I'm Chinese, and my favorite boba drink is jasmine milk tea. Every week, we meet at Asian Communities for Reproductive Justice, or ACRJ, in Oakland, California. This is our first meeting this fall, and we're talking about Prop 4. So this year, if you haven't already heard, we're doing a lot of elections work. Um, so what is one of the things we're doing this year? Amanda Waki is the Sapphire Youth Organizer. Okay, so we're going to do an activity in a minute about all those three propositions. We're playing a game to learn more about Prop 4. This is the third time that the Parental Notification Initiative also known as Sarah's Law, is on the ballot in California. Basically, this initiative seeks to change California's constitution and ban abortion for anyone under 18 until 48 hours after a doctor notifies their parents or legal guardian. We think this measure threatens the health, safety, and rights of young women, especially communities of color and immigrant communities. That's because youth from low-income communities and communities of color are less likely to have health insurance. Sometimes free and confidential sexual health services is the only thing they got. If these young people are afraid their parents might find out, then they will have no health care at all. So right now, if I got pregnant and I was under 18, I could decide whether I wanted to tell my parents or not. If Proposition 4 passed, and I would go to the doctor, and the doctor would say that they would have to send a letter to my parents, or I would have to go get a letter signed by my parents um, in order to get an abortion, if that's what I decided to do if I was pregnant. Young women aren't the only ones who will be affected if Prop 4 passes. Doctors will be at risk, too. 
My name is Paula Hillard. I'm a professor of obstetrics and gynecology at Stanford University School of Medicine. And I am the director of the Division of Gynecologic Specialties, which includes a focus on family planning. I've been at Stanford for the last year, and prior to that, I was at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. I have been a physician for 31 years. I'm also a member of the national board of an organization called Physicians for Reproductive Choice and Health, PERCH. PERCH is the voice of the pro-choice physician, and uh, those of us who are members of PERCH um, support confidential reproductive health care services for adolescents and comprehensive reproductive care for women of all ages. So Proposition 4 is a proposition on the, the ballot, will be on the ballot in November. It is the third proposition to go before voters in California that would mandate parental notification for teens who are seeking abortions. My belief and the belief of a number of other professional organizations is that this is a dangerous law. On the face of it, it sounds really reasonable, and I think that's why it's important for people to understand that if you have a good, loving, supportive family, the majority of teens involve their parents in their decisions about abortion. I've had a great deal of experience in dealing with teens and their parents. Physicians who deal with teens always encourage them to communicate with their parents. And depending on the situation, many and most of them do. Unfortunately, there are a number of situations that aren't ideal, where things are not as they should be. There's sometimes violence in the home. There have been situations uh, where teens have said to me, my older sister got pregnant at 15 and she was kicked out of the house. And that would be a significant repercussion for a teen. So that might be a teen who would choose not to tell her parents. Many teens um, say in surveys and polls and in research and will say to me that if confidential care weren't available, they might not seek care for their health needs. And it really is true um, that teens value confidential health care. So most teenagers, when they find out that they are pregnant, um, their initial reaction is, oh my gosh, don't tell my parents. And so that's almost always sort of their knee-jerk reaction. Um, Clinicians and physicians who take care of teenagers don't accept that at face value. We help the teen explore what that would mean to tell their parent. Can you tell me how you might think about telling your parent? Tell me how you think she would react. You think she might be angry? She might well be angry initially. How would you deal with that? Um, what do you think she would say? How would she act? I know it would be hard, but let's see if we can think a little bit more about how that might actually happen. Sometimes the mom is waiting in the waiting area, and I might say, you know, if it would make it easier for you, you and I can together tell your mother about the unintended pregnancy and then help you to explore what your options are um, to whether you would choose to continue that pregnancy and give birth, whether you would 
choose to continue the pregnancy and place a baby for adoption or whether you would choose to have an abortion. So you need to think about those options. Those are the options um, once you're pregnant. And can I help you to talk to your mom? So that's how the majority of conversations go, uh, but not always. Sometimes I hear the statement from the teen, my older sister was kicked out of the house, and uh, um, so I know that's what would happen to me, and that that is a chilling prospect to the teen. Sometimes teens have their own reasons that they feel they can't tell a parent. Even when they can't tell a parent, Many other teens will tell another adult. It might not be one of the relatives that's specified in Prop 4. It might be a neighbor. It might be a clergy person. It might be some other trusted adult. It might be mom's best friend. It might be somebody else that would be supporting them. So studies show, again, that the majority of teens tell a parent Even of those who don't, they tell a trusted adult. The states that have required either notification or parental permission for abortions um, have, for the most part, provisions for judicial bypass. And that provision um, would be a part of the law in California. The problem is that teens don't understand what these laws really say, and they get really confused. So I think Prop 4, uh, if it were to be passed in California, um, would certainly have an impact on my care with adolescents. I would um, need to say to them that the law mandates parental notification, um, and then there are steps that I would need to take. Um, One of the difficulties of parental notification laws uh, that have been enacted in other states, and I experienced this in Ohio, is that, again, I'm not an attorney. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know exactly what the law says. So it's confusing to me. Even I, who do this regularly, can be a little confused about exactly what are my requirements. How do I report it? Who do I need to notify? Um, What forms do I need to fill out. And just that aspect of I'm not sure what I need to do is a little bit chilling to some physicians. And so in Ohio, there were physicians who really didn't provide care to adolescents because it was too complicated to do. The idea that they might have to do this notification was complicated. And so it further limits adolescents' access to care and makes it harder for them to find a physician who really uh, has an understanding of what the law is. So first let's do um, a round-robin check-in. If you or anyone you know has ever had an abortion, Yeah, I do know somebody. I do know somebody that got an abortion. I don't know anyone. I do know someone. It turns out six out of the ten girls in Sapphire had friends who had abortions. She was, like, kind of young when she got pregnant, and um, she decided to have an abortion just because they were so young, and basically they were not ready. And if their parents knew they would practically be out the house, you know? And then I think they went to like a teen clinic and then they got the abortion done privately. We think Prof 4 isn't about abortion. It's about taking away support from young women to be healthy and make informed decisions on their own.
but not everyone agrees. My name is Dolores Meehan. I live in San Francisco, where I've lived my whole life. And I work in the private sector, but I also volunteer as a spokesperson for the Proposition 4 campaign. So both Friends of Sarah and the Yes on Proposition 4 campaign are working together. Friends of Sarah is the name of the campaign prior to it being given a legislative number by the Secretary of State. So the whole point of of using Sarah as a symbol of parental notification is that one thing we know about teenagers is that there's usually a lack of consistency. That's generally why you get pregnant in the first place, because you forget to take your birth control pills. <laughs> and so something like taking antibiotics consistently after having a surgical abortion, which is a matter of course, as a matter of treatment that you would give because the risk of infection is so high that it's standard to give antibiotics. Sarah was, very tragically, a 15-year-old girl in Texas who died from the complications of a pregnancy. She had a torn cervix, and she was obviously a minor, an unemancipated minor. At 15 years old, she went and she had a surgical abortion. She had a torn cervix that wasn't treated, and because nobody knew that she had undergone this procedure, she died. If your daughter's taking antibiotics, you should know as a mom. I want to know my daughter's taking antibiotics. I want to make sure she finishes the course of them, that if she is having any complications, I can take her to the doctor. Sarah's Law, uh, parental notification and abortion decisions is a common sense measure. There's parents that don't treat their children well, and we all grieve that, whether you're pro-life or pro-choice or whatever. We all agree that this is a a bad situation. But the uh, overwhelming majority of parents do care about their children and want to be involved in decisions such as a surgical procedure. I would say the most compelling reason to vote Sarah's law into our Constitution in the state of California is to protect our young girls against sexual predators. Increasingly, the sex trade, it's really been growing exponentially. Uh, Certainly in San Francisco now where pornography films are being made, where there's a ballot measure to legalize prostitution, which actually would extend down to the age of 14, you have young girls more and more, the opportunities for their exploitation is growing and is actually is being realized there. This is, in fact, what's happening. Proposition 4 is important because it puts the welfare of young women, of minor girls, back in the periphery of their parents. For teens who are being sexually exploited, it provides them protection, and it exposes their exploitation, and the right people get prosecuted. I think the importance also of Proposition 4 is that parents mostly care about what's going on with their kids. The idea that parents shouldn't be involved in this serious decision is um, an insult to parents. It's an insult to the citizens of California. So why, when a young girl is undergoing a surgical procedure that's very invasive, why shouldn't you know so that you can care for her? And whether you're in favor of abortion or you're against abortion, it's irrelevant. When your daughter is pregnant and you think, if you think that she should have an abortion, you're going to want to take her to your doctor. You don't want her going off to some clinic with who knows who. Although we say safe and legal in California, uh, it's legal. It's not necessarily safe. This is an unregulated industry. A barbershop has more health code regulations than 
abortion facilities. And so parents want to be involved in that decision. It's one that resonates with people who are both pro-life and who identify themselves as pro-choice. The residents of California should vote for Proposition 4 because it's a common-sense law. Minors aren't able to get tattoos, ear piercing, have an aspirin from a school nurse without actual parental consent, let alone notification. So this is a common sense that when a young girl is going to have a surgical procedure that's invasive, such as a surgical abortion, her parents should be at least notified so that they can care for her in the event of any complications. Secondly, Sarah's Law makes sense for California as a border state, as a port state. We're inundated by sex trafficking and all sorts of things. The opportunity for our young girls to be sexually exploited is massive, and a law that requires young girls, their parents to be notified in the event of a sexual predator bringing them to an abortion clinic for a secret abortion benefits everybody. You're listening to Making Contact, a production of the National Radio Project. If you'd like more information or for CD copies of this program, please call 800-529-5736. You can also download programs or get our podcast at radioproject.org. James, due process legal hotline may help you. Hi, my name is May. Mm-hmm. And I just found out I'm pregnant. Huh? And okay. I don't want to tell my parents. Okay. Uh, there are states that have passed parental involvement laws. And, uh, Texas is one of them. How old are you? 16. Okay. And when's your 17th birthday? In April. Okay. And how far along are you in the pregnancy? I just found out a week ago, so I'm not too sure. I haven't gone to the doctor or anything. Okay. Have you taken a home pregnancy test? Yes. Okay. And what do you want to do about this pregnancy? I would like to get an abortion. Okay. And who else have you spoken to about the pregnancy? No one. All right. Well, let me explain a little bit about what you're looking for. It's called a judicial bypass, Mm -hmm. and it's set up so that if a minor cannot... I'm Rita Lucido, and I'm an an attorney practicing law in Harris County, Texas. I'm a founding member of Jane's Due Process. What you heard was a staged call, but those are the exact type of questions that are asked of teens calling the Jane's Due Process hotline. We started Jane's Due Process in the year 2000 to shepherd pregnant teenagers through the judicial bypass process that was part of the Texas Parental Notification Act. The Texas Parental Notification Act was passed in 1999 by our legislature, and it required parents to be involved and notified before their teenager could terminate a pregnancy. Jane's Due Process is a statewide Texas nonprofit corporation. The basic mission is to shepherd teenagers through the judicial bypass process, through the process that allows them to bypass the requirement that they get consent from a parent before terminating a pregnancy. Our law set up a judicial process where suit can be filed and a pregnant teenager can go to a judge and present their case as to why they can't obtain parental consent or should not, 
and if the judge finds they meet the requirements of the law, can bypass the parental involvement requirement and allow them to consent on their own and go forward and terminate their pregnancy. Jane's due process was set up to shepherd these girls through this process. As you can imagine, if you're 16 or 17 and pregnant, you're not only scared, you may not have ever gone downtown where the courthouses are in the community where you live, or you may be afraid to go into the courthouse because you have a relative that works there if you are uh, in a small community. It was quickly apparent that a girl could not get through this process without some some help. The, the girls who come uh, through the, this, the Jane's Due Process system are all varieties of girls. They are about 25 to 30 percent, I'd say, actually don't even have a parent in their lives. Their parents might be incarcerated or one parent is dead and they've never met another parent. They often live with an aunt or a, gra- or a grandma or a cousin. Some girls' parents live in Mexico and they were sent to the United States to live with a relative or they were born here and their parents went back to Mexico and they were left with a relative. Those girls don't have a parent in their lives from whom they can obtain consent. The remaining girls are across the board. Most of them, I know, are 16 or 17. It's rare that we get a 15-year-old or a 14-year-old. I have represented girls who are so poor, they are generally even on the streets, or they're pillar to post, they don't know where they're going to lay their head the next night, as well as represented girls from private schools and the most wealthy neighborhoods in Houston. It's all kinds of girls, but the the common denominator is that they're girls who can't go to a parent. Because the girls who can, the girls who have a relationship with their mom or with their dad or with a, a parent who they feel comfortable about, they go to those parents and they tell them, hey, I'm pregnant, I need your help. The girls who come to me and navigate downtown Houston and the court process and meeting with a judge are girls who really have no other way of resolving this problem. Whole Woman's Health, this is Brandy. How may I help you? Sure, I can help you with that. We are on the northbound frontage road. Of I'm Terry Salas Merritt. I'm the corporate executive director for Whole Woman's Health. Whole Woman's Health is an abortion clinic in Austin, Texas. Lots of clients are referred to Jane's due process from this clinic. One of the things that I've been working on, of course, is looking at that legislation and looking at the trans and teen pregnancy. And one of the things that we have realized, along with a lot of sane people, is that the idea of requiring a parent to consent for their daughter to have an abortion has not really done much to change the decrease in the number of abortions that was occurring anyway. That decrease was due to good birth control information, good sexual education information, an open environment for them to ask questions and seek advice and help and care. Once that all got cut off and they had abstinence-only programs in school, which scared them and also gave them misinformation about birth control methods, and they have to look at billboards and 
people standing outside of clinics, holding pretty grotesque signs and calling them really horrible names. So the cultural stigma, the misinformation, all of those things lumped together began to really come down hard on young women as they fought to examine what they were going to do when they found themselves in a pregnancy they had not planned for. Our goal at Whole Woman's Health, and many places, is to always bring parents and children together. So if a young woman feels like she could tell her mother or father, but she's afraid she may disappoint them, then we offer to help. Maybe they all want to come in and we can talk about it. We also want to know when we talk to her, is she undergoing any kind of coercion or violence at home? Is this pregnancy perhaps the result of a rape or of incest? So we have a lot of responsibility on our shoulders, too, to make sure that she's going to be safe and then we can start talking about her decision and what she can do about the pregnancy. One thing I find interesting in abortion care after parental consent laws is that uh, when the parents come in that sometimes they're they're worried or they're concerned sometimes they're hostile and they make life pretty difficult for the young woman and you would be surprised you would be appalled at how many times I have seen parents actually dragging their young girl into the clinic saying that we want her to have an abortion. I'm her parent. You have to do what I say. And it's so hard to tell them that that's not how the law works. We have to have your consent for her to have an abortion, but you can't force that. Nobody can force a woman to have an abortion, even if that woman is your daughter. So parents sometimes find this really difficult. Well, if I have to sign for it, can I just say I want it? It's very confusing to them to think they have power in one situation and not in another. I think uh, one of the things that's kind of interesting is with the advent of the internet, we have been hearing more and more and more about uh, young women buying Cytotec, which is part of a medication used to start an abortion. And so women can access that over the internet or some in our South Clinic in McAllen, they can cross over into the Mexican border and buy it at a flea market. And so they take this medication. There's no real instruction about how they can be safe. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And because if they haven't told their parents, they're kind of scared to tell them that they've done something else on their own, that sometimes there can be a lot of medical problems. I'm sure you remember the case. There was one here in Texas. There was one in Michigan where women have tried to self-abort or have their boyfriends beat them in the stomach, do whatever they need to do to make the abortion happen on their own so they won't have to tell their parents. So for many women in Texas, abortion is not an easy service to access. Texas is a huge state and parts of Texas are extremely rural and you have a lot of people, oh please, there are so many women who for them to make a trip to have an abortion is quite a project, especially in West Texas. In West Texas there are very few providers and women would have to drive as far south as perhaps McAllen over to us in Austin or maybe as far north as El Paso to be able to access services. Since many times this is also an area where you might find women who are of low income, their resources are tapped and being able to find someone to take care of their children while they're gone, being able to find that transportation, these are all huge challenges for many women in Texas.
Even though today we're just talking about the proposition, we're starting to organize a bunch of activities. We're having a conference called Youth Plus Power Equal Change on October 4 here in Oakland to get out the youth vote and educate people about Prop 4. On Halloween, we'll have Trick or Vote where we'll go door to door to educate people about the measure. The young women at Sapphire don't think Prop 4 is a good idea at all. If Prop 4 passed, that would mean that young women, including myself, will lose the right to make decisions about our own bodies. Instead, we are forced by the government to have to tell our parents about our private lives, such as having sex, if we get pregnant. If we choose not to tell them, we have the option of going to court, but that's pretty useless and a waste of time. It wouldn't affect and even though supporters of Prop 4 say it will make us safer, we know it just won't. We believe youth who are pregnant need support, not unrealistic laws that make it harder for youth to get help from adults. We need sexual health education, not laws that take money from schools and services. And we need health care, not laws that create barriers to it. That's it for this edition of Making Contact. This program was partially funded by the Mary Wolford Foundation. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those solely of the speakers and do not necessarily express the views and opinions of this station. Thanks for listening to Making Contact.